Well, welcome to the Cellar Dwellers Podcast. Uh, this is one of the hosts, Cullen King. I'm here with Donnie Gilmore. Donnie, here you go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Donnie, and we will be talking a lot about NFL, a little bit of NBA, and then a lot of MLB since the postseason is coming up and starting tomorrow. As we will start with the Diamondbacks and Brewers. Colin, want to hear your opinion on this series. Well, you know, the Brewers, they come out of the strong NL Central division that everyone projected them to take third place, I think, at the beginning of the season. And they came out and kind of did what the Brewers do best. They they pitched probably better than most team of any team in the MLB. And, I mean, the, the three starters and Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta. I know Woodruff just went down with a shoulder injury. Donnie will touch on that a little bit more. But I think you might have the best pitcher in baseball with Corbin Burns as your ace. And, I mean, he got hit earlier in the year. Uh, he wasn't finding so much location with his cutter as he now is on the back end. And he's so cutter dominant that it's it's almost like getting Mariano Rivera coming out as a starter. And he's figured that cutter out as the year's gone on. I know he got touched pretty bad in his last outing. I think he got hit around pretty good. But, I mean, he's going to start game one. And that that's puts you in a spot if you're a Brewer fan to just, you know, you got Burns on the mound. You only got to score two, three runs. And, and if the starter of the Brewers can get through six, that back half of the Brewers bullpen is just un- unbelievable, and it has been for many years. And the problem has been, can they hit? And they've been picking it up a little bit. I mean, I think what, they scored 14 a couple weeks ago, 16 a couple weeks ago. And then I think recently they haven't been scoring as much. I mean, they they won the division on some – on a. I mean, they needed the Cubs to lose, and they lost the game, but the Cubs lost and got in. But they won the next game, so it wouldn't have mattered anyways. And – I think they got hot a little too early. Hopefully they can find that back here and make a deep run because I think if they can get past the D-backs and into the Dodgers, if they beat the Dodgers, they have a nice run at the at the championship. What do, what do you think here, Donnie? Yeah, I'm going to touch on that a little bit. Um, Burns did get touched up a lot in his last outing, but I'm very confident, especially with all that momentum. I mean, I even watching over TV, I have never seen a more electric place than American Family Field during the postseason. And touching on the Brewers' off offense, I am not very confer- concerned, especially after seeing the Diamondbacks starter. Sorry if I mispronounce any names, but Pedeft, he has a five seven four ERA all year, and his away stats are not looking the brightest. And uh, and you never know with Council either. I mean, it says Burns starting, but as we saw in the 2018 NLCS when they played the Dodgers, they started Miley. Brought him in for an inning so then they could face all their righties. And then Woody came in, shut the door. I believe that was also the game that he hit the home run. That was pretty exciting. But looking at that, I am very confident in the Brewers to take this game in two game, take this series in two games. I'm not very concerned at all with their offense right now. They are getting hot. Contreras has a very hot bat. Canna, very good pickup yet again. Garrett Mitchell's coming back. And I think that Santana can also stay hot. And I think Yelich will find his groove. Here's a weird one for the Brewers. This isn't something you see very often from them. They're actually, they're hitting better at home as you, like normal. They are, they have more hits on the road. They hit more extra base hits on the road. They drive in about the same amount of runs. They steal more on the road. They just hit more bombs at home. And I think Miller Park's kind of more of a hitter-friendly ballpark down the lines, especially. And I mean, it's only 400 to center. How many balls have you seen off the Jumbotron there at Miller Park? But just looking at month by month basis, September has been their best hitting month team wise, hitting 261 with. Sorry, I lost track of my column here. Not the most home runs. They actually, 
third lowest month in home runs with 26. Most amount of games played also in September, so they're hit. They're hitting well here in September. I mean, their starts October. Uh, they're only hitting 214, but with Platt being a right-handed pitcher, the Brewers are hitting righties worse than they are hitting lefties. I mean, you see more righties, so you're going to see that 119 home runs, and they're slugging about 378 as a team against home against uh, righties. The other thing is with the Brewers, you always have to be worried about is. They can't live and die on the long ball like they have forever. I mean, for as long as I can remember, they they lived by the long ball. And uh, Donnie touched on it earlier, how electric Miller Park it'll always be to us Brewer fans um, is during the postseason. I was at Game 7 of the NLCS when uh, the Brewers happened to fall to the Dodgers there in that year that I thought they could win it all. And Yelich's second year in Milwaukee went off and won that MVP award against uh, that race against Bellinger who both kind of had career resurgences this year, if I'm going to be honest. But, um, yeah, I mean, that place gets loud and electric as long as it's not on a Sunday with the Packers interfering, which is a pretty dumb thing. I mean, postseason baseball or a Week 5 NFL game. But I'm sure you'll hear a lot about football from the two of us. Uh, Donnie, you want to go to the next couple matchups, just touch on them a little bit? Yeah, of course. So the one we're going to talk about next, we got the Rangers and the Rays, and we got Montgomery going up against Glass now. I mean, I'm a big fan of Glass now. I mean, I I have the Tampa Bay. I have Tampa Bay losing this series. I just don't think they've been electric, as we know of the whole thing with Wander Franco. That has not been the best for the Rays. I think they have not had the greatest September, and I believe that the Rangers can stay hot. I think this will be a three-game series. I think this is going to be one of the most-watched series, and I'm really excited to watch this. Yeah. So if you check out their splits, um. September was one of their coldest months hitting, hitting 254. August, they got real hot, batted 281. Um, So they're kind of cooling off, got hot a little bit too early, and that's kind of the key as a postseason guy. And I'm trying to find their pitching splits. I only have their hitting ones up right now. Oh, click over one more. So to pull up their pitching splits, in the month of September, their pitchers in total had an earned run average of 396. It's not... The highest it's been is at the lowest it's been is right there in the middle. Their um, their righties are throwing worse than their lefties, and you know Glasnow's a guy he throws hard, has a big curveball, big high spin rate curveball. The thing is with Glasnow is he gets hit around when he can't touch that fastball and relies too much on the ha- on the curveball, and he tends to hang a few. I mean, it's got a lot of spin, it it, it bites pretty well, but. I mean, that's the guy that can get touched up or throw an absolute gem. I'm actually going to take the Rays in this series. I think they're a more complete baseball team than the Rangers. I know the Rangers early in the year were hot, looking like the best team in baseball, but they kind of fell off as the year went on. And I really like the Rays. They've been here before. They've been in the spot before. I don't know. When have the Rays ever been favored? They're usually like a pretty pretty consistent underdog. And kind of them and the Brewers together have been on this rise of like two smaller market teams that are now perennial postseason contenders, and they just haven't got to that big one yet. Um, the other thing about the Rays is they just got a new stadium approved, so they'll be staying in St. Pete for the next, what is it, 35 years, and good for them. I mean, the trap's kind of a dump if you've ever been there. I, I've been there. You couldn't park an F-150 in the hallways. I mean, you're lucky if some uh, some Wisconsin women are getting through there. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I like the Rays in that series, and uh, Donnie, you got our next matchup here, don't you? I do. We got Toronto and Minnesota. So what it's looking like, Toronto, they do they still do have an undecided starter, but the but the Minnesota Twins, they have Pablo Lopez starting game one. 
Now, I have not watched much of the Twins, but I have heard a lot about Pablo Lopez, and I heard he has a very nice two-seam. It has a lot of movement. His changeup looks pretty good. But I have Toronto winning this series because, I mean, it's Minnesota sports. I They're not a very successful state, and I feel like the Twins have not been the hottest team. And I think Max Kepler, I'm a big fan of Max Kepler, but I think Bobachet, I think he is due for a huge postseason, and I easily think they can get to that ALDS spot. I mean, the juniors, the junior team, I like to call them, in Toronto, I mean, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Bobachet has a dad that played in the league. Um, Kevin Biggio's dad played in the league. I mean, they're, they're all around. I know Kepler's dad played in the show. Had a cup of coffee or two, but um, I don't like the Blue Jays pitching staff. Uh, if we look at it real quick here, I mean they got Hyung Jung Ryu, who uh, who came over from the Dodgers and was a stud over there. But I mean Chris Bassett's all right, Jose Barrios is all right, but I mean Kevin Guzman's a good four. But I don't like their bullpen. I don't trust all their starters. I mean, the like, I mean, looking at it, the guy coming out of the bullpen for them, what Trevor Trevor Richards, um, Jordan Hicks, did he come out of the pen for them? So I mean, they got a couple guys, but I mean, their lineup stacked top to bottom. I mean, Kirk at catcher, Bichette, Biggio, Chapman, Vladdy, Whit Merrifield, and then in the outfield you got George Springer, Kevin Kilmeyer. Uh, Brandon Belt DHing, playing a little third, a little first, a little outfield for him. And I mean, you got a lineup with Chapman, Vladdy, and Boba Shet in it. That's a pretty solid lineup, top to bottom. And I mean, going back over to the NL side of the ball, we have the Phillies and the Miami Marlins. An NL East matchup that they play each other a lot throughout the year is a divisional matchup. And uh, Miami just snuck in there, kind of got screwed over in New York a little bit, but it didn't end up mattering because the Cubs choked it like they usually do. Um, but over there, you have been in at least battle between a team that won the World Series. Was it last year in the Phillies? A couple of years ago, the Phillies won the World Series. And, I mean, they got a good team over there, Bryce Harper and uh, Aaron Nola on the bump. Well, JT Riel Muto, Alex Bowen, Reese Hopkins. I mean, they're they're solid all the all the way over there in in uh, Philadelphia. But I like Miami here. They're they're a young, scrappy team, and I mean, they had the guy uh, Arias Arias, who batted what almost four hundred this year. It was close to four hundred. You have uh, Jazz Chisholm Jr. who's a stud over there. You got Jesus Lazardo on the bump for him starting game one. Donnie, what what's your thoughts on this? You know, I was thinking about this, and after watching Philly in the postseason and then make that run, I, I see the Phillies sweep in this series. I mean, we were just talking about how American Family Field is electric during the postseason. After watching this, I have never seen such an electric place like Philadelphia. Those fans are crazy. They are going to be there. They are going to be loud, and I don't think Miami is going to be able to handle that. And the Phillies, they can get hot whenever. And we saw it in the postseason when they beat the Padres. I mean, that team was just electric, and they didn't lose much. And I I feel like Trey Turner, he's due for a big postseason. Brandon Marsh, I like his bat. Nick Castellanos, love it. Their whole outfield looks amazing. Their whole infield, I love their pitching staff as they have Zach Wheeler on the mound and Lazardo's going for Miami. 
I see Philly taking this in two games. All right, as we go forward here with it being the playoffs, we're going to make our picks. So the matchups are the Brewers and the D-backs, the Phillies and the Marlins, the Twins and the Blue Jays, the Rays and the Rangers. Uh, the winner of the Rays and the Rangers will take on the Orioles. Uh, the Blue Jays and Twins will take on Houston. D-backs and crew will take on the Dodgers. And Phillies and Marlins will stay on that NL East run and take on that first-place Braves team. So we'll start in the bottom left of the bracket in the NL side, the D-backs and the Brewers. I think both of us have the same answer here. I think we're both going to take the Brewers. Yeah, we're both going to take the Brewers here. All right, and then going up to Miami and Philly to take on Atlanta. I have Miami. I just think they got hot at the right time. They rolled the wave in the playoffs, and I think they can they can take down the Phillies. Yeah, you haven't seen Miami here in a while, and I think Philadelphia just has a lot more playoff experience. I think their starting rotation is a lot better. They also have a veteran, Craig Kimberlaire. He has definitely been here before, so I'm going to take Philly here instead of Miami. All right, going over to the AL now, we have the Rangers and the Rays. The winner will take on the Baltimore Orioles. I have the Rays. I think uh, the AL East is a lot harder division than the AL Central, or the AL West, my bad, and I think the Rays, they've been here before. They know what they're doing. I mean, they had the whole Wander Franco situation and whatever's going on with him. I hope it all gets worked out because that guy's a heck of a ball player. But um, I think I'm going to take the Rays. I like their I like their pitching staff a little more. I like their bats, and I like their ability to come up in clutch situations. Yeah, I'm going to also disagree with that statement. I'm going to take the Rangers here. I just like their bats a lot more. Now, yes, they are away, but I like Texas here in three games. And then we bounce down to the Blue Jays and the Twins. I'm going to go with the Twins in this series. I, I think the Blue Jays just don't have the pitching to last in a, in a three-game series, let alone if they get on to the five- and the seven-game series. So I'm going to go with the Twins, but I also don't think the Twins make it past the ALDS after that. I'm also going to disagree with that. I'm going to go with Toronto here. They just got such a good young ball team. They are electric. I think that they will move on and play Houston. So I, I have Brewers-Dodgers next, and I think we both we both have Brewers-Dodgers here. This is the only series we agreed on. And I think the Brewers, if their bats come out to play and they can hit the uh, the Dodgers starting rotation and get those guys out of games and get deep into the pen, I, I think the Brewers could take the series in six games. Um, I'd be really happy if they do, and if they beat the Dodgers, I think they have a chance to beat the Braves. But I also got a shocker for you. I got the Miami Marlins taking down the Braves. I mean, when does the best team in baseball ever win the World Series? I mean, this might be the best team in baseball baseball's had and probably since, what, the Giants in the early to mid-2010s with their little dynasty they had. And I like the Braves as a team. I think they have everything put together, but I wonder if those off days will get to them. The Marlins have been hot. They're going to stay hot, and they're going to ride that to the NSCS against the Brewers. So with my picks, this hurts to do as a Milwaukee fan, but I'm going to take the Dodgers in seven games. Now, I do agree our pitching staff, just unbeatable. I love it. And if we just get a little run support, my only concern is going to L.A. and playing them. I think this is going to be a lot of deja vu from that 2018 season. And I'm going to take Atlanta. So I'm going to have Dodgers and Atlanta in the NLCS. I just Atlanta is way too hot right now. Now, yes, they are going to have a little bit more of a break than Miami. But, I mean, you got Acuna, 40-70 player, one hell of a ball player. It was so much fun watching him this year and make that MVP run, and that is my MVP pick. But I do not see Miami taking this game to six games. I think it's going to be in five. All right, we jump across divisions or across uh, conferences here, and we're going over to the American League side of the ball, and 
We got Rays Orioles. Uh, I got Rays Orioles in the top half of the bracket in a, an AL East matchup. I'm going to take the Orioles. The Orioles are have kind of arisen to become that second, third best team in baseball, depending on how you feel about the second best team. And they're a team that has got hot in about mid July and have kind of rode it now to the end of the season. They are going to have some d- days off here, not playing in the ALC uh, AL wild card round. I think that probably would have helped them a little bit more than the off days will. But I also think they, they are a team that can put it together and get out of that series against the Rays. It might be a grind the first couple games. I have it going to six, but I think I have the Orioles nudging out the Rays there. And then the bottom half, an AL, is it AL Central? AL Central matchup uh, between Houston and Minnesota. I have I, I have Houston winning. Houston's one of those teams that now, I mean, even with their the bang on the trash can scandal, I mean, two World Series, I mean, you have Jose Altuve there. You have the team to beat, kind of. They're the proven team on this American League side. So I have them going on and taking on the Orioles. What do you have, Donnie? So right here, we, we're going to have Texas and Baltimore. I don't see Baltimore not taking this to six games at least. I think that they're going to struggle a little bit. I think it'll get to them. Baltimore hasn't been here much, but they have such a good young team that I think is going to be able to pull out in six games. And then for my picks, it's, it would be Toronto and Houston. I mean, I'm not a big Astro fan with the whole cheating scandal, but I have Houston winning this game, winning this series in five. Marlins, Brewers, NLCS. Wow, would the Major League Baseball hate this? Two small market teams. I mean, I wouldn't call Miami a small market, but they're considered a small market team along with the Brewers and I'm going to take Miami. That might shock a lot of people. I'm going to take Miami here. I think Miami is just going to ride the hot wave all the way up to the World Series. I, I I do like, again, the Brewers pitching. If the offense comes, they are probably the second best team in baseball, and anything can happen in baseball any day. But I just think Miami's gotten too hot and is getting too hot of a team. And if they just keep rolling the way they've been rolling, they're going to get in there. And that'll be a lot for Miami baseball, a team that hasn't been good. I mean, they've tried a million things over the last 20 years alone. I mean, those early those World Series titles in the uh, the late 90s, but then they have to sell off pretty much the whole team because they can't afford them after. New ownership came in there, led by Derek Jeter a few years ago, and I, I think that team is a World Series team, not because of what they put on the field, just the way they've been playing baseball. And then I'm going to have Baltimore beating um, Houston. I think Baltimore is a team that's going to shock a lot, and that is going to be a shocking World Series a lot of people are going to watch, and that'll bring in viewership. I mean, it's two teams not a lot of people see throughout the year. I mean, Baltimore came out of nowhere this year. Miami got good last year, was good the COVID year. They've been getting better and better and better, and I think this year's the year Miami makes the run at it. Yeah, so here I'm going to go L.A. and Atlanta. Listen, I don't see L.A. winning a single game in Atlanta. They start that game. They're chopping. It's going nuts there. I just don't think the Dodgers are going to be able to handle that. And, yes, I would would love to see the Brewers there, as Colin was saying. Small market team, I believe, were the second lowest market behind the Rays and the Athletics. But I see Atlanta taking this series. I think they're just way too hot of a team. And then I also have Baltimore beating Houston. I think this is going to be a must-watch ALCS. I mean, this two big teams, high-powered offenses. But I do have Baltimore pulling this series out in seven games as I would have the Baltimore Orioles and the Atlanta Braves in the World Series. So my World Series matchup, the Miami Marlins and the Baltimore Orioles. I'm saying it's going seven games, and the Miami Marlins are winning the 
or winning the World Series. A, t- a team that's going to ride the wave all the way in. It's a team that probably deserves it. Um, it's going to go seven, just just based on Miami doesn't have the whole the whole the whole darn thing. But neither does Baltimore. And I think it's going to be seven games ending Camden Yards. And at the end of the year, we're going to be saying the Miami Marlins are your World Series champions. And it's a series that's going to be exciting to watch. There's going to be a lot of fun young players to watch in that series. And I think that's what baseball really wants right now is fun, exciting players. They don't want, you know, the boring. I, I love Christian Yelich, but he is boring. I mean, he, he is a boring guy. I think they want more things to bring in viewership, especially right now to fight with the NFL. And now, by the end of this, the NBA and the NHL will be ramping up into their seasons, and that's even more viewers they have to steal away to watch playoff baseball. I I think baseball is a sport that needs to be on the rise. It's a great sport. They went and lowered, shortered the games this year. I do like the pitch clock watching it on TV. I'm not the biggest fan when I'm at the game. You feel like you look away to have a conversation, you lose a couple pitches here and there, but... I, I think it's something that the MLB wants to promote is let the kids have fun and, and let them play and let them show off and let them bat flip and let them talk crap. And I, I think it's going to be the Marlins. Uh, we got ourselves a hot take in the first episode. But my pick was, of course, Baltimore and Atlanta. Listen, this Baltimore team, they have not been the most successful team, but in the last coming years, they have been on the uprise with all their young players like Gunnar Henderson, and I can name off many more. But I have Baltimore winning this in six games. I mean, Atlanta, yes, they are a good team. But I feel like Baltimore is going to come in with so much momentum after beating Houston. And I think this is going to be a much-watched World Series. I'm going to kind of get into the pitch clock. I agree with it. Um, Over TV, it's fun to watch. But I'm one at the game. I mean, I like to have good seats. And sometimes I want to have good seats, and I think I pay a good price for them. But, I mean, then they shorten the game, and I want to be able to watch and enjoy the game. But it is bringing in a lot more viewers, and that's what the MLB wants. I mean, it's the most viewed season since 2017. So that's something to talk about uh, for baseball. Baseball again on the rise. Who's your pick again, Donnie? Baltimore. So we have Baltimore on one side. I have Miami. We both have Baltimore in it, so we're very high on the Orioles over here. But, um, yeah, some big news happening around the NBA to transfer into our next topic. The Milwaukee Bucks trading for point guard Damian Lillard in a three-way deal with the Phoenix Suns. The Brew, the sorry, not the Brewers. The Bucks gave up Drew Holiday and Grayson Allen, a 2029 unprotected first-round pick, and unprotected Milwaukee swaps rates in 28 and 30. The Suns got Yusuf Nurkic, Grayson Allen, Nasir Little, and Keon Johnson. They gave up DeAndre Ayton. So the Blazers had Holiday and Ayton, but then immediately turn around and trade. Drew Holiday to the the Celtics for Malcolm Brogdon and Robert Williams. Golden State's first and a 29 unprotected first from Boston, the Blazers. So Malcolm Brogdon, former Buck, former Rookie of the Year, being dished for another former Buck and Drew Holiday. I, I'm not the biggest basketball fan. I did like I do like Grayson Allen. I think he was a great guy to come off the bench for the Bucks uh the last couple of years. And I was never the biggest Drew Holiday guy. I never thought he did the right things as like a point guard for the Bucks needed. I feel like he got in Giannis's way a little bit too much and wasn't a sure enough shooter on the outside for Giannis to dick, uh, dish to. He took a lot of dumb shots. I mean, he was he was a good defender, but not a great defender. 
I think Dame really adds to the offense of what the Bucks need. Guy's a lights out shooter. I mean, he's not going to be asked to kind of ball dominate as much as he has in his career. Now, playing with Giannis against Kumpo, who's a very ball dominant player in his own, a dribble drive, driving kick guy. I mean, just a freak of an athlete and just a freak of a basketball player. He's the closest thing to Shaq we've seen since Shaq. And um, I think adding Dame to this Bucks team is great. You lose a little bit on the defensive end. You lose a little depth uh, coming off the bench with Grayson Allen. But I think Dame's going to be a big key, key uh, crucial part here to help the Bucks get their second championship. I mean, that one championship in Milwaukee was electric already. And to pick up a second one and kind of create a little bit of a Bucks dynasty, take some of that focus off the Packers, as much here in the state of Wisconsin and kind of everyone around here has become Bucks fans in the recent years. It gets a little annoying. Wisconsin fans are very, very bandwagony. Um, I mean, the Packers are bad forever. There were no Packer fans. They got good when they got Brett Favre. They, they became Packer fans, right? We're kind of seeing it the same thing with the Bucks now. And they're a team that has, has been there and been there, done that. And they're looking to keep doing it. And if Donnie's over here, like I have something to say right now. Yeah, of course, I love this trade, but I was a big Drew Holiday guy. I mean, I will always remember. I was at Buffalo Wild Wings with some of the guys. We were watching that game, and he got that steal. And then, of course, Giannis, the dunk. That was probably one of the best plays in Bucks history, I believe. The only thing I'm scared of Damian Lillard, and I was talking to my dad about this earlier, he is very injury-prone. Now, we could see a healthy Damian Lillard. We don't know. And the same thing we're wondering is if we're going to see a healthy Chris Middleton this year. When Chris Middleton's healthy, he is lights out, and he is such a fun player to watch. So I believe if Chris Middleton and Damian Lillard can stay healthy, give Giannis a couple days off because he is basically mostly all of our offense, I think we are favored to win the NBA championship as we are, and I think that we will this year. Okay, so there's basketball for you. Now we're going to get into probably what Donnie and I know best, the NFL. We're, we just wrapped up. Well, we're still in week four of the NFL season. We're recording this on Monday before Monday Night Football. But So the reason we're the cellar dwellers is I'm a Bears fan. He's a Broncos fan. And as you know, we just watched the, the, the game on Sunday. And I have a lot to say. He has a lot to say. Both teams are equally terrible and, and looking to become better franchises in general. And. So that, that'll probably be the main topic for our discussion, but let's go around some of the other games here in the NFL first from Thursday and Sunday. So Thursday night, I mean, I was him and I watched this game together in our room, and it was probably the happiest we've been in a long time. Uh, the Packers losing that Thursday night football game to the Lions, 34-20. to Jordan Love throwing two interceptions, which was great to see. Right. Um, what did you think of that uh, that Thursday night football game there, Donnie? I think it's proven my point that I made at the beginning of the year that Jordan Love, I mean, I have high hopes for him even as a Bronco fan, but I think that he is going to have a rough first year. Now, people may disagree because he was behind Rodgers for a couple of years, but I think he's not going to really get into the groove too much, and it showed. Me, personally, I think that the Lions are going to be continue to be that underrated team i love dan campbell as a coach and i just don't think green bay is really going to have it this year i do not have the million in the division but in my personal opinion i don't think jordan love looked good at all but i am a very big believer in the lions i mean jared goff 210 yards one touchdown one pick but david montgomery that run game is scary 32 carries 121 yards and three touchdowns 
But what I would like to see more out of their offense is giving Gibbs more carries. A big Gibbs guy, and we were even watching, we were pointing it out during the game. Gibbs would get a huge carry, they'd take him right out, and he wouldn't see anything. He also did have four receptions for 11 yards, but I don't think fantasy owners are the happiest about that. And Even just watching the game, I'm not very happy that Gibbs isn't getting the carries that I believe he deserves. Yeah, I, I think Jameer Gibbs is a great back. I mean, he's there with a, a, another good back in David Montgomery. Um, So that's kind of the Thursday night slate. If we go around the Sunday games, uh, the London game between the Jags and the Falcons, that was the Toy Story game, as everyone knows it as. Uh, the Jags came away 23-7, to kind of dominated that whole game. Trevor Lawrence put on a show over there in the uh in the second home of the Jaguars there in London. Um our next game up is the Rams and the Colts. The Rams were leading 20 to nothing at half. It ended up they ended up winning 29 to 23. It was tied 23 going into OT as Anthony Richardson led a comeback uh, where they scored 8 in the third quarter and 15 in the fourth. Uh Richardson was 11 for 25 with two touchdowns and no INTs. He also rushed for another touchdown and 56 on the ground. Zach Moss getting 70 on the ground. And for the Rams, uh, the guy the guy under center there is uh, Matt Stafford. He was 27 for 40 for 319 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Kyron Williams was 103 and 2. And Puku Naguku, 163 yards on nine receptions and a touchdown. That guy is uh, showing himself there in the NFL. Um, also, we had the Ravens-Browns. The Ravens beat the Browns 28-3. Vikings-Panthers. Uh, Vikings, uh, Vi- the Vikings, sorry, is that uh, cut out there for a second. The Vikings beat the Panthers 21-13, taking their first win of the year with the best receiver in the league. Right now, Kirk Cousins is playing like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Uh, I mean, uh, Jay Jettis has made it not clear that he doesn't want to be with the Vikings too much longer. Uh, Titans taking down the Bengals 27-3. Buccaneers beating the Saints 26-9. The Bills blowing out the Dolphins 48-20. Love to see that. Uh, Josh Allen there had himself a day throwing for 320 yards, four touchdowns, no picks for him, also running a touchdown. And and in that game, it showed that the, the Bills are probably the team to beat over there in the AFC. And the Dolphins have this high-powered offense that scores quick. They put up 70 the week before in the Broncos. But, um, you know, the, the high-poweredness always doesn't lead to success, especially against a good defense like the Bills, and their defense just is not there at all for, for, the, for the Dolphins. Two are thrown for 282 and a touchdown and a pick. Uh, Tyree Kill had a, did not have a touchdown, but had 58 yards on the, himself through the air. And um, I think Tua is not... He's a guy, not the guy. I mean, if he had a better team around him, he could he could probably be, you know, up there like almost Kirk Cousins esh. But um, he he doesn't have the quite the team that the Vikings have, and he's just not quite the quarterback that is needed. Uh, Donnie, you got anything to add here? I do. One big thing I want to talk about is this Bengals offense. Now I've been trying to figure this out. I still cannot figure it out but what the hell has happened to this Super Bowl team we saw just a couple years ago? I mean, we still got Mixon, Burrow, Jamar Chase, as it clearly showed in an interview that Jamar Chase is not very happy in in Cincinnati as he's always saying how open he is. But Joe Burrow, ever since he signed that extension, has just not played his best ball. And I'm going to disagree with Kirk Cousins going back to that game. I don't think Kirk Cousins has been the greatest. As we saw, first drive through a pick six right in the red zone. Cannot afford to do that. Now, yes, they still did pull out the victory because the Vikings defense, they stepped up. But, 
I'm a very big believer in Bryce Young still. I thought he had a pretty good game as he threw it to seven different wide receivers as he was spreading the love that game. But one game I do want to go to is the Chargers and Raiders. Big AFC West matchup. This would determine who was tied with the Broncos for last. But Herbert was shaken up a little bit that game. Only passed for 167, touchdown and interception. Nothing special. They did not have Austin Eckler. But I thought Kelly, I thought that he played his role pretty well. 65 yards. Joshua Palmer had a pretty good game. Three receptions, 77 yards as he had a 51-yard catch to seal the game. But one thing I do want to talk about is Aiden O'Connell. Now, I am a Badger fan. This dude dominated at Purdue, and I think that he played a decent game for coming in. I mean, Saturday he got the news that Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo was not going to play, and I thought he played that role pretty well. He did have that big red zone mistake that you cannot have, but we also did see a pretty good game out of Josh Jacobs, which we've been waiting for for a couple weeks now. He had 17 carries, 58 yards, and a touchdown, and receiving eight receptions for 81 yards, no touchdowns. Saw Devontae have a pretty good game, even though he was shaken up for most of the game, 8 for 75. And then the last game that we want to touch on before we go to the Bears and Broncos is the Sunday night game. Now, I'm going to just mention this right now. I am so sick of seeing Taylor Swift after every single touchdown, and I think a lot of people can agree with me on that. But to be honest, I don't know if we see this high-powered Kansas City team that we saw last year. I mean, Mahomes, two interceptions, not the greatest game. Zach Wilson. Very underrated, in my opinion. He looked really good. 285, two touchdowns. He spread the ball out pretty well. Brees Hall had a decent game. We haven't seen that. Still not seeing much Delvin Cook, which I'm very surprised about. But Pacheco for Kansas City, 20 carries, 115 yards and a touchdown. He had a huge game for them as he broke out early and I think really set at the table. Until the Jets started coming back, it was very surprising how close this game was. But Alan Lazard... Former Packer, three receptions for 61 yards and a touchdown. He had a couple huge plays. Uzma had another touchdown. He only had one reception for one yard, which I'm very surprised about because Zach Wilson, he would love to go to his tight ends, but he didn't show them too often. But what I did love out of Zach Wilson was his post-game interview. Now, as we all remember last year, he made a comment that after putting up three points, he said that none of it was on him, and he thought the offense played well, and he thought it was on the defense. But then he held accountability after fumbling that ball and giving the game to the Chiefs that he needs to be better because they played a very good game. Yeah, and I, I think to go back to the Taylor Swift thing, that, that has been jammed down our throats for now the last two weeks here with Travis Kelsey. And doesn't it feel a little set up to you? Like it like Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey are like the two biggest names of football right now with their success of the Gridiron Heights podcast, playing the Kelsey Super Bowl last year. I'm a little sick of the Kelseys. I think they're great, great people, great players, of course, but I'm a little sick of them outside of the game of football. And I feel tra- like Taylor Swift's jammed on her throat. She's now having dinner with Brittany Mahomes. I feel like if 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 the Mahomeses and the Kelseys get wrapped into this Hollywood way of thinking, kind of like Russell Wilson did for the Broncos, and they're just gonna lose it as as players. And I don't like to see that. I, I'd like to see Kelsey just be Travis Kelsey and not have this Taylor Swift thing jammed down our throats. And I, it's 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 really kind of annoying. It's 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 in a way to get girls to watch a game of football. And I mean, next thing you know, I mean they're they're gonna be wearing freaking dresses out there. I mean, what color? What era are they in? You know what I mean? I I'm sick of Taylor Swift. I'm sick of her. Her music's not that good. She's not a good person. I mean, I'm sick of Taylor Swift. If I'm gonna be honest with you. After my Taylor Swift rant, we're gonna get into the game. That Donnie's excited to talk about, 
I'm not too excited to talk about the Broncos and the Bears. The Bears falling to the Broncos 31 to 28. I'll let Donnie go first on this one. So, first thing I want to touch on is Javante Williams, as he did go out in the second quarter with an injury. I was very concerned. I'm a big Javante Williams guy, but according to Adam Schefter, it's just a hip flexor. He's not going to miss much time, but I'm going to start off by saying Fields had one hell of a game, Colin. He he really showed up the Broncos' defense that has been dominant for years, and now all of a sudden, they, it's one of their weaknesses. Their offense is playing better, and I think one thing, and my dad texted me this earlier, win or lose, Vance Joseph needs to be fired, and I 100% agree with that. I just don't think Vance Joseph deserves a job. Now, yes, we do have our captain safety, Justin Simmons, out, and one person that I think is not filling that role very well is Turner Yelly. I kept watching that game that yesterday, and he just kept giving up pass after pass after pass. He was getting burnt in the zone. There was one where they were in cover three, and he completely missed his zone, and Cole Komet's wide open for a 22-yard touchdown. Even with DJ Moore, he was the problem on that one, the first touchdown that made it 7-7. I just don't think this defense is as dominant as it should be. Now, yes, Jonathan Cooper, fumble recovery, that was the biggest play of the game. But one more thing I do want to touch on about this defense before we go to the offense is Pat Sertan. I was, a lot of people had high hopes for Pat Sertan this year. He has not showed to him. Only three solo tackles. I mean, pass deflections, two out of how many? I mean, I think that's also a thing that's on Vance Joseph. He was not on DJ Moore's side for most of the game. And me personally, I do not agree with that. I think DJ Moore is one of their best best players to go to. And he showed it. He showed out. But I think this is basically for Denver. We're going to catch up on it a little more. But I think this is a scenario where a win's a win at this point. All right. You want to talk about coaches being fired? Luke Getze and Matt Eberflus. How do these two people have jobs in the National Football League? This is the National Football League. This isn't Division Seven high school football. This is the National Football League. And they go out there every damn week for the last two seasons now and put on a product that is so bad to watch that I can't even get excited to watch a Bears game anymore. Justin Fields, right? I'm sorry. He is the Bears quarterback for the future. The guy put on a show on Sunday with this crappy offensive play call. Just abysmal every friggin' week. And he went out there and played the way Justin Fields played. He had a few big runs on third downs to get first downs. He was throwing balls in spots Justin Fields hasn't put balls in since he played at Ohio State. Justin Fields had himself a day. I mean, if we look at it, Justin Fields, 28 for 35, 335 yards, four touchdowns, and an interception. He threw 15 straight completions in the first half. His only incompletion came on a Hail Mary at the end of the half, right? Two touchdowns to Cole Komet, one to DJ Moore, one to Khalil Herbert, and the second one to Cole Komet I'd like to touch on, if frickin' Aaron Rodgers or Pat Mahomes did that, the little scramble to the right, stop at the out-of-bounds line, jump, hook, toss, We'd be talking, and that'd be the first highlight on ESPN that night. But Justin Fields did it, so no one talks about it. Khalil Herbert, 100 on the ground. DJ Moore's second 100-yard receiving game with a touchdown and a good adjustment on a ball that people are going to say Justin Fields should have put there. It was the only spot Justin Fields could have put that ball with the cornerback playing inside on him. And we, we talk about this, and yes, the Broncos' defense is abysmal. They're They're bad. But this was the kind of game the Bears needed, and it was a must-win game for Eberflus and Getze to keep their jobs. And 
Getze actually did great for three quarters of football. They got in the fourth quarter. Yes, Justin did fumble on that sack. That is on Justin Fields, and he admitted that. And I, I mean, they also need to block for him, but that is on Justin Fields. It was a bad play call anyways, but that is on Justin Fields, right? Came out, and they came out in the most conservative play call they had all game. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. And then on fourth and one, you go out of the shotgun and give the ball to Khalil Herbert. I like Khalil Herbert, but I trust Justin Fields with that ball there. Go under center. QB sneak works for every frigging team in the NFL. It's a guarantee now, and the Bears want to run freaking inside zone out of the shotgun in fourth and one, which leads to the Denver going down. Just kick it a field goal. Bears have a minute and 50 seconds to come down and score, right? Drive down the field up the middle. They go intentional grounding. Okay, whatever. Field's good play. Wait to not take the sack. Keep clock running, right? Four verticals. Cole Komet has a looky where he's bending it across the middle, and Cole Komet stops his looky route to freaking, I don't know, and the ball gets intercepted, right? That game was completely, that play was completely on Cole Komet at Eberflus, right? He is a defensive head coach, right? That's why the Bears hired him. The Bears hire coaches and cycles that go defensive guy, offensive guy, defensive guy, offensive guy, whatever, right? Now, for the last two seasons, has had the worst defense in the NFL. They, they are the only team I've ever seen on paper get better, get better players on defense and on offense and be a worse football team than last season. You get Tremaine Edmonds and, and uh, TJ Edwards. And TJ Edwards is not good. Tremaine Edmonds has gotten worse. Like, people get to the Bears and are just freaking terrible. And and Sean Payton simplified things in that fourth quarter for Russell Wilson. They, they kept the play call simple. They kept the play very simple for him. And it worked. I am so angry at Bears fans right now asking for Justin Fields' head. This is Jay Cutler part two. This is Cutler part two. And, and Bears fans are pushing Justin Fields to not want to play in Chicago. And, and they want Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams is nowhere near the quarterback Justin Fields is. Right? It just Justin Fields needs just coaches who care. They brought Eberflus and 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 freaking what's the GM GM's name in? Uh, shoot, um, Ryan, whatever, Ryan pulls on their stupid hits, hits freaking memo. That hasn't done anything for the Bears. They had Jim Caldwell, who came in with a plan for the Bears offense and Justin Fields. They were like, nah, we want the hits personnel. Just poor, poor, poor football from the Bears. And and it is terrible to watch. And we'll give we'll give Donnie the mic back here. I'm running out of breath. Yeah, um, I'd still like to touch on the defense a little bit more. Now, I think Vance Joseph went into that locker room. And I think Sean Payton just gave him the death stare that he knew that his job is on the line. And I think it's still on the line. I I generally want to wake up if they play Sunday. I want to wake up on a Monday morning and see if Joseph got fired. Now, he was the head coach for Denver. They were not successful. They tried him at defense. He is still not successful. But the defense did step up in the second half. Up in the uh, Cooper take that fumble recovery back. That was just a huge momentum switch. Alex Singleton, I'm a big believer in him. He had a really good game. 
12 total tackles, four solo ones. I mean, Korean Jackson, he's a veteran back there. We just need someone to step up on defense, and I think Alex Singleton's that guy. As I'm getting some of my tweets from Zach Stevens, he's a Denver reporter. He said after the game, Alex Singleton said, you got to hate losing, but fuck, you've got to love winning. And that's one of the games it was. I think that Denver's going to have a lot of momentum. I am a little scared to play this New York Jets team. Uh, they played very well, but... Next topic I'm going to get into about this game is how Russell Wilson was not the problem. Now, yes, I, I hate him in five wide. When they would go to five wide, I'd hate it because he is not tall enough to read a whole field. I just don't think he's very good at that. You need to get him out of the pocket. And that's why we saw that deep bomb to Mims. And Sean Payton stopped calling checkdowns, let Russ do his thing. And then he had one hell of a second half. As Russell Wilson finishes 21 for 28, 223 yards and three touchdowns. I have not seen much of that out of Russell Wilson, and it is making me very happy. Now, McLaughlin, a rookie, seven carries, 72 yards. This dude barely made the roster, and I was watching him in preseason. I'm like, I sure hope this guy makes this team because we had no clue how healthy Javante was going to be after his ACL injury last year, and I am loving this McLaughlin guy. He is a good, he's a good back, as Sean Payton was also saying, how he is going to get more carries, and I really hope he does. We didn't see much out of Jerry Judy. Marvin Mims gets two big receptions. Cortland Sutton has a couple, made one drop. I mean, that's a very hard ball to catch, in my opinion. But I am very excited to keep watching this Denver team. And I really hope we can get Justin Simmons back soon and get Vance Joseph fired. Yeah, so that's the Broncos and the Bears game. Just to round out the, past, the last few games, Eagles beat the Commanders in overtime. Texans beat the Steelers. Chargers beat the Raiders. Niners beat the Cardinals. Cowboys beat the Pats. Chiefs beat the Jets, and tonight we have Seahawks-Giants. Not a very exciting game, so I mean, we don't have much to talk about there. Donnie, do you have anything else to say? Well, that has been the first episode of the Cellar Dweller podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, at DwellerPod. Um, I'm Cullen King on Twitter, at CullenKing07, and I'll let Donnie give us his socials can also check me out on Twitter. It is at Gilmore Donnie, and we appreciate you guys listening, and we will see you next week.